0: Hello, hello, and welcome once again, and uh, you might be catching us on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, but just so glad you're joining us, and I just want to say I miss you guys, Uh, there's a lot of things in transition, and uh, uh, we uh, could not go back to the spot yet that we first had our service, and so we're looking for a new place so be praying with us it's uh it could be a little frustrating for me i'm just trying to figure things out and trying to lead well so please be in prayer for me and uh and our team and please uh please be in prayer for one another and if you guys can hold watch parties that would be perfect at this time we are on the second half now of 2020 and what can we say it's been a, a crazy moment right it's a crazy moment and And almost like, praise God, we're on the second half, and even though uh, things are not fully settled, let us be reminded that God is not freaking out and uh and just maybe we needed this like shaking, we needed this awakening that to happen to understand like we can't go always go back to the life as normal, maybe God is doing something new in us like he many times before in scripture uh, and and in these moments, I understand that. I or we need Jesus more than ever before. And people around need Jesus. People around us, they need His hope, His love, His grace, His salvation. And, and every other foundation, I feel like, is being shaken. These foundations of our job or uh, finances or our hobbies or things, our health. Uh, and there's a fear involved. These things are just shaken. With so much uncertainty, people are feeling numb or anxious or or they're feeling, I don't know, I don't know how you're feeling. You can put it down in the comments below, but we need to continue to understand the hope that we have. And, and we need to tell people that the hope that we have in Jesus, that, and, and maybe we ourselves need to stand on Jesus as our rock instead of these other foundations, and it's drawing us back to Him. And we need to accept the disruption and dive deeper into Christ, dive deeper into the calling that God has for us, right? Today, I want to hit our first core value as we're going to read through them through the book of Acts. We worship Jesus passionately. Say that with me. We worship Jesus passionately. I, I don't, uh, in, in this message, I am not going to tell you how to worship Jesus or, or what worship should look like for you. But I want to tell you why we worship Jesus. So that's, that, that's the premise of why I'm writing this. And I hope uh, that our response to Jesus is worship as we understand deeper and deeper of how much He loves us, and the gratitude would fill our hearts and would be overflowing out of us, overflowing with gratitude. And that our mind of understanding why we worship Jesus would move to our hearts, our soul, and then our strength. It would come out of us, right, in those kind of ways. So today, We are looking at the book of acts at the birth of the church how jesus changed the world through regular people like you and me listen this was no easy task right these were hard times these were people who were being crushed by the romans facing persecution poverty fear insecurity they were facing plagues too these weren't easy times yet they were very very resilient filled with the Spirit of God and and gripped by the mission of God to love and restore His world, restore humanity, restore wholeness through the life of Jesus, the Messiah, right? And I want to say this, that has not changed. God is still looking and using men and women who are willing to respond in obedience to join Him, and that's the premise of the church. That really is. It's the premise of the church, now, with the, that in mind, please go to the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 40 to 47. And maybe you're in your room. Maybe you're cheering. I don't know. But I want to give you some backstory. And Acts begins right after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is tasking his crew. Before you start, make sure, make sure you wait for the promise. Say the promise, right? Right? The promise of the Holy Spirit, the infilling, the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment, the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God's presence, right? And and they waited in prayer. And on Pentecost, I believe it was 10 days after Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit came and Filled the people like a rushing wind and fire. And people started speaking in foreign tongues and was filled with all boldness. And that same presence that filled the temple, and get this, filled his people. God's new portable temple. God's new portable temple. And this would be the mark and the distinction of followers of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit, right? Now Peter, Peter is one of Jesus' students who failed Jesus miserably, running away when Jesus needed him most, denying him three times, once to a little girl, right? And and I was like, I don't know about you, but I many times feel like Peter. I talk all this hype like, Jesus, I will never deny you. Others will deny you, but not me, but here I am, right? We have Peter moments. We made promises to God that we did not keep We have failed like Peter, and sometimes I'm amazed how often I fail after talking all this hype. And the truth is, many of our stories in this room are Peter-like stories. We've taken wrong turns, or we've had failure, or unmet expectations, and broke promises, yet Jesus looks at us and sees the person that we could be. Think about that. In the eyes of Jesus, it's never too late to be who you might have been. It's never too late to be who you might have been. The calling that's put in you. See? Now in uh, in the book of Acts chapter 2, we see Peter remember those words of Jesus. And on that day, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter got up and he spoke with boldness. Instead of backing down, he stepped up. Instead of moving away, he moved forward, right? Leading 3,000 to come to faith in Jesus. Starting a movement called the church. Becoming the rock people ran to. And I want to tell you today, Jesus is alive. This is not an old story or an old narrative. This is our story today. Your story might look like a horror movie or on an endless loop, but it's not over. God's call for your life and mine is not done. There are many Peter stories waiting, waiting of life change, story change, purpose change, a resurrection story. So now, with that, Let's read Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 40. With many other words, he, Peter, warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. We hear that even now, right? Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Just imagine that. This is how the church began. It was a move of God through broken people. Verse 42. They, the new church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Just these simple things, devotion to that. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Amen. There's such a beauty to the early church, right? It's not this program, that program. It was just simplicity a simplicity of life, of being devoted to God and devoted to one another, meeting in homes, meeting in town centers, right? They learned, they prayed, they praised, they united, they were generous, and God moved on their behalf. And they were devoting themselves, devoting, say devotion. That's a huge word, devotion, right? And, and, and you see right here, as they're devoting themselves, you see that worship was more than singing, worship is the expression of what we build our life upon. I'm going to say that again. Worship is the expression of what we build our life upon. It's way more than singing. It's way more than Sundays. It's way more than watching a sermon online, right? There was a monumental shift happening here. The presence of God moved from the temple, the place of worship, a place where people pilgrimaged every year right, to get to. Israel's temple was where God's space and humanity's space were at one, right, which symbolized God's desire to live together with his human creation and rule the world through them. Think about that. This is where heaven and earth meets, the temple. The temple is where heaven and earth meets. Yet God was doing something new, the presence and the worship of God move from a place to a people. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? 1 Peter two five says this, You also, like living stones, like bricks that are alive, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That as you come together like bricks, you hold the presence of God, right? It's showing a metaphor of the temple. God knew that the physical temple would be destroyed, and it was destroyed on 70 AD, just a few years later by the Roman Empire. This Roman army came in and just wiped it out, right? But by then, the temple had left the building. And now every time we come together in devotion to Jesus, God's presence goes with us and He fills us and, he, and His presence is released into our world through us. That's the church, that's you and me. We are the carriers of the presence of God into every environment that we go into. We are God's portable temples and this, living in that way, understanding that way in obedience is our act of worship. Right? Now, at Hill City, our first value is this. We worship Jesus passionately. And listen, everybody worships. It doesn't matter what you say, you believe, or this or that. Everybody worships. People worship at church. People worship at the Broncos game. People worship their money. People worship their job. Everybody worships. Because God made us this way. We are created to worship. In the words of David Foster Wallace, he was a novelist and a best-selling author and a, a professor. He wrote these words. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship, and the compelling reason may be choosing some sort of God to worship. Is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough, it's the truth. Worship your body and beauty, right? Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before you finally bury they finally bury you. If you worship power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid and you will need ever more power over others to numb your own fears. If you worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. But the insidious thing about all these forms of worship is not that they are evil or sinful, it's that they're unconscious. They are our default setting. Worship is our default setting. David Wallace was not a religious man. But he understood the human heart. And and he understood that everyone trusts something to save them for salvation, right? For their purpose, for their happiness, for their mode of life. That everyone has faith in something to save them, to give them meaning. Yet Jesus taught us through the woman at the well, through Peter's life, through Nicodemus, That if God is not what you worship, what you build your life upon, anything else, even your kids, your job, your financial security, your pleasures, even your good morality and goodness will enslave you. And second, if you do achieve whatever your goal is, right, it won't be enough for you to satisfy your soul, right? So satisfy that hunger in you, that need in you, because you were made for God, created to worship Him alone. So why do we worship Jesus? I'm glad you asked, right? Galatians 4, 4 to 7 says, But when the set time had fully come, God has sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under that law, right? That we may receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent His Spirit, His Son, into our heart. And the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, a worker, a servant, God's little minion, but God's child. And since you are his child, God made you an heir. That is the gospel expression, right? Listen to this, that God had a plan to set people free from sin, addiction, pain, depression, from their selves, the enslavement, from other things that we worship. And when we are powerless to overcome our sin, overcome our addiction, overcome those things, we place our identity in. And then we we're shaken. God made a move on our behalf so we would not be destroyed and sent His Son. And through Jesus, He saved us. John 3.16 says it like this. God so loved the world, He loved us that He gave His only Son. It was the way, it was the only way to freedom, to completeness. It was the sacrifice of sin for us to cover us, right? That whoever believes in Him Trust in Jesus, follows Jesus, will not perish because he paid the price of death. And when we are in Christ, God sees us through Christ. God's justice, when he sees us, is done through Christ and we are made back right with him. That will not perish, but have eternal life. That we will forever be with God. Trust me when I say this. We are precious in his sight. You are matter to God. How many of you guys have children? Are they perfect? Not mine, right? Not even for 10 minutes, right? Not even when I say pretend to be good, right? My kids are crazy. We have a lot of babies that are coming about at church, and I was thinking this. What does a baby really give you? Everything they have comes from the parent right? From what they wear to what they eat, you wipe them, you clean them, you feed them, everything is done by you. It's a one-sided relationship, but it's your baby. It's your child. Are they perfect? No. Are they precious? Absolutely. So the core of Christianity is based on this understanding of God being our loving Father. J.I. Packard says it like this. He says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father or her father. And this is not a thought that prompts, if this is not a thought that, uh, if this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and, and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well. The way we see ourselves the way we see our lives the way we give the way we worship the way we pray the way we base our life upon it is all connected to our view of god as father so listen we don't worship god because we're good we're having a good day we're blessed we're in a happy moment no That's not what it's based on. We worship God because He is good. He is loving. He came down to save us. He sacrificed. He is God. He is our Father. He sent His only Son to save us, His children. We are loved. We are wanted. We are precious in our Father's sight. This is the heart of worship. The heart of worship is responding to a God who loves us so deeply. It's not working, 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 working so hard so we can be good enough. You'll never get there. No, rather we fall into the arms of God holy and we respond with gratitude of worship and adoration and devotion comes about. God's presence fills His people. And we become these portable temples of worship amen and when we do his love and his presence overflows out of our life into our world that is why we worship let's pray heavenly father god we are so loved by you if there's someone out listening to this message and you feel so far from you, I pray that we would take one step, one step of boldness, and we would respond and say, God, I might not be feeling it. God, I might not deserve it. God, I need you. I need your love. I need your, 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 your affection. I, de- I need your identity. God, I need to come back to understanding who you are, And who I am, precious in your sight. And out of that understanding, out of that gratitude, let my heart overflow with devotion and worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys.